What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Hey, welcome to God Squad Church. My name is Susie, and I have the immense honor to be the preaching pastor here at God Squad Church. Whether you're watching live in the room, first or second service on YouTube, or even on our various platforms on Spotify and podcasts, sincerely, it is an honor to have you part of our church. We've just committed our lives to serving the gaming community, and it's so awesome to have you with us. You're joining us for part number five, okay, the series finale of a series we've been in entitled Breathing Room. Now, here's the deal. We've been talking about so many different things throughout this series, but the premise has been that God wants to create space in our lives for us to be able to breathe. Go ahead and put a five in chat. I've asked you this question a million times if you feel like life is so busy. You never have time to slow down. There is no time in your schedule, and you just have no space to breathe. I'm going to go ahead a lot of times in my life, I'm going to put a five in chat, because that sounds a little bit like me. And so here's the deal. We've been talking about schedules, been talking about families, relationships, so many different things. And what we do here at God Squad Church a few times a year is we do something called God Talk. And what we'll do at the end of a series is we will give people opportunities to ask questions about all the information we just went over. And we've spent, this will be five weeks now, talking about what the Bible says about making space in our lives. We've been studying the life of Jesus. We saw that Jesus was busy, but not rushed. He accomplished a lot, but wasn't always stressed and anxious. How do we get our lives practically to look like the life of Jesus? So here's the deal. We're going to be having God talk next week. So you're going to see a link that's going to pop up in the chat. And here's the deal. I want you guys to click on that. Send us your questions. And we're going to go ahead next week. You're going to see a few of our pastors and leaders. We want to answer those questions for you to help you practically accomplish in your life. What does it look like to actually have breathing room? Now, throughout this series, we've been using an illustration you've seen many times about a hard drive. You're going to see a picture on the screen, and with your hard drive, you're going to see this picture that the hard drive in the bottom is almost full. The red means bad, and when the hard drive is almost full, it can have negative effects on your computer. It can begin to bog things down, but ultimately, if your hard drive is full, there's not room to put anything else. If your hard drive is full, then there's no space to download New World. And even if you could download it, you probably couldn't play it anyway because the servers ain't got no breathing room. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But when your hard drive is full, it's not operating at its fullest potential. There's no space to put anything else. And the same principle applies to our lives. When our schedules, when our lives, when our day-to-day is always full, when it's red, when it's maxed out, man, it leaves you feeling anxious, leaves you feeling stressed. Maybe you can't sleep at night. There's not enough time to get it all done. And the same principle remains that when our lives are always full, we will never be able to breathe, but you will also never be able to breathe when it is completely full in the area of your finances. And we started talking about financial management and making breathing room in our finances last week, and I want to bring kind of a part two today as I bring a message that I have entitled, A Budget That Breathes. Now here's the deal. When we get in church, we start talking about money. There's a lot of confusion as to, like, why are we talking about money? What does money have to do with the Bible? But the thing you need to understand is that Jesus, one of his most talked about topics, believe it or not, was actually about money. And the reason he talked so much about money was not because he actually liked money, but because he realizes how how some of us really like money. Jesus understands that, like, money is a major part of our everyday lives, like, Everything that our lives revolve around, most of it, in some way, shape, or form, costs money. Like, the reality is, like, we don't charge people to come to church, but, like, if you don't have money, you probably can't watch right now because, like, you probably don't have internet. 
or like you don't have a phone. Like money revolves around so many different aspects of our lives. And what I want to hear is that Jesus is not concerned with what's in your wallet. He is concerned with what's in your heart. But he knows if I can get to the heart, then it will affect your wallet and your wallet affects your life. Jesus isn't concerned with green paper. He is concerned with the fact that so many people are getting divorced over fights about money. He is concerned the fact that people are staying up late at night being stressed about money. Why? Because they can't breathe. And so God's desire today is not just to talk about your money, but to talk about your heart and how all of that affects your money. And I know we get in church, and maybe you're here for the first time, and you're watching online, and you're like, man, I've been dealing with money all week, and I thought I was going to show up to church, and we were going to talk about something spiritual. Man, why are we talking about money? Money ain't spiritual. And the reality is, you would be right. Money is not spiritual. The way you manage your money is spiritual. I'll put it to you this way. Spiritual maturity is not determined by the amount of your money. Spiritual maturity is determined by the management of your money. You cannot separate financial management and spiritual maturity. Everything that we study in the Bible is for the goal of us to grow in our faith, to become more mature, live our lives like Jesus, honor God in all of our ways, and as a byproduct of that, we get to breathe. We get to have better lives. If we do it God's way, we'll have better marriages. If we do it God's way, we'll raise better children. If we do it God's way, you will have more joy. But you have to understand, you cannot separate spiritual maturity and financial management. They are directly connected because the Bible teaches us about what is called stewardship. Now, if you've never heard this word stewardship, it really essentially means the word management. We first have to understand that all of our lives, everything that we have, God is the owner. God is the creator, maker of all the universe, and everything that we have is a beautiful gift from God. He is the owner. All of my money is God's. All of it. Not just the part that I might give to the church or not just the part that I might give to the people. Everything that I own is God's. He is the owner and I am the manager. And so the terminology really shouldn't be how much money do I make. Really it should be how much has God entrusted into my care? How much has God entrusted to me? He is the owner and I am and the manager. And as we begin to understand this principle, we begin to study the Bible about if I am a manager, well then how does God want me to manage his money? And so what I want to do today is I want to break, break apart a few very important principles, and I want to break down four different types of people we see in the Bible when it comes to money and then bring out what I believe God wants to communicate today, three different principles on how we can manage money God's way that will actually allow us to breathe. We see four different types of people in the Bible in terms of money. The first that we see is the righteous rich man. Now, when I use the word righteous, this is to insinuate someone that is living their lives in a way that honors God, doing the right thing. They're not always perfect, but their heart is turned towards doing what they know pleases God. But this man, the righteous man, is also rich in this scenario. So he's got some money. He's got the resources, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what makes him righteous is that with his money, he chooses to be generous. 
He chooses to bless others. He chooses to take care of his children. He's not selfish. He loves and serves other people. And we see several examples in the Bible of righteous, rich people doing good things with their money. Then we also see the righteous, poor person. We see the person in the Bible who doesn't have a lot of money, who has been hit by some tragedies in life and for circumstances that are out of their control have left them in a very, very difficult financial place. But they're a righteous poor person because they are still living their lives to honor God if they can. They're practicing generosity. Their heart's in the right place, but life came at them a million miles a minute. So God's not disappointing to them. God's not mad at them because they have less money than a rich man. They're both righteous, and their hearts are both towards God. Their hearts are similar. Their bank accounts are different. And God has no concern that one is better than the other. We see the righteous rich man, the righteous poor man, but then we see the unrighteous rich man. Now, the unrighteous rich man and the righteous rich man, their bank accounts look similar, but their hearts are very different. One has a heart to serve other people. One only wants to store for himself. The unrighteous man is selfish, greedy, loves money, sees a need that he could fill, but chooses to turn a blind eye. The unrighteous rich man lives only for himself and believes that everything he has is actually his rather than God's. Then we also see, lastly, the unrighteous poor man, who, unlike the, unrighteous, the righteous poor man, is not poor because he loved God, but life came at him a million miles a minute. Tragedies hit him. The unrighteous poor man is poor because he lived a life of poor decisions. Bad financial management. Didn't save. Spend everything he made. Just wanted to spend, spend, spend. Maybe you can be an unrighteous poor man and make $10 million a year and then spend $10 million a year. Only on yourself. Never giving to others. Being greedy. Having a gambling problem. Whatever it might be. There is a way to manage your money that will allow us to either honor God or dishonor God. But, please hear me. It's not about the dollar amount. The separation of the categories of unrighteous and righteous are not about the money. They're all about the person who has the money. All about the heart. All about their mind. All about their affection towards God. And normally when people come to me and talk about I'm in a difficult financial position. Now there are times when sometimes people, life's hit you a million miles a minute. And tragedies come your way. And God is not disappointed. But if I'll be honest, and all the people that I've spoken to over my years of ministry, most of the time when people are in financial difficulty, I ask them, are you managing, God's, your, are you managing your money God's way? Normally the answer is no. And so God's goal today is to help us to manage our money better because he wants you to breathe. Not because he wants to lord over you and just make you feel like you're a bad person. He wants you to breathe. Jesus said, I came to give life and life to the fullest. But you will never live life to the fullest if you're always broke because you're making bad decisions. You will never be able to breathe and you will always be stressed. And so what we want to do today is we want to look at the Bible and say, Jesus, what ways that you have to manage money that are better than our ways? Now, here's the deal. I'm not a financial advisor. So today, I'm going to stay in my lane, okay? I'm going to teach about what the Bible 
offers in terms of spiritual money management. But we ain't going to talk about airplane miles and credit cards. It's not my place, okay? I'm going to stay in my lane, but I believe there are three very important principles that God wants us to understand in order to be able to manage our money God's way and be able to have a budget that breathes. The first thing that I think God wants us to do in terms of managing our money is we need to spend wisely. Now hear me, I didn't say don't spend. I said spend wisely. There's a false dichotomy in Christianity and in the church today that goes in either extreme. That would say, well, if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be rich and have tons to spend. False. Being a follower of Jesus does not make you rich. It gives you the riches of eternal life. It gives you a God by your side. It gives you purpose. It gives you peace. But it does not take away all of life's problems. Jesus is the greatest thing that we have by becoming his followers. Just his presence, not his presence. We have God. It doesn't matter about the things we have on the earth. God is greater. Being a follower of Jesus does not make you rich. You could end up being rich. But it is not a direct correlation because you became a follower of Jesus. But then on the other side of the spectrum, some people would say, well, if you really love Jesus, you'd sell everything you have and give to the poor. Well, then I would be poor. Like, we just trade places. <laughs> like, that's also not a solution. There is nowhere in the Bible that says that spending money is bad. But God gives us direction to spend wisely. There is a false guilt that people can give Christians about buying nice things. There is nothing wrong with nice things. There is nothing wrong with having stuff. But there is something wrong with stuff having you. Where's your heart? Where's your affection? There is nothing wrong with you taking a vacation with your family. There is nothing wrong with you working up all year long, saving your money and buying a nice car. There is nothing wrong with you taking your wife out on a nice anniversary dinner where the bill's four times bigger than you're normally used to, like where you just want to punch the waiter right in the face. Like, there's nothing wrong with nice things. If you're spending money on nice things and practicing God's other biblical principles, which we're going to get into. But I just want to set some people free today because there's that mindset. Man, oh man I don't know. If it's like God mad that I bought an RTX 3090? Like, no, unless it was an unwise decision for you financially. It's okay for you to get the new iPhone. It's okay for you to get the RTX 3090. It's okay to buy New World for $40, even though you're probably getting in the service. Like, it's okay. Be free from the guilt. Be free from the, the negative connotation that Christians shouldn't buy this thing. It's not in the Bible. Like, there's a lot of people in the Bible who were kings, Kings have money. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being rich. It's not about the money, but it is about how do you spend it? How do you spend it? And when it comes to us spending our money, God wants us simply to spend it wisely. I want to read a scripture to you. Proverbs, 1, Proverbs 21, 20. Read it with me. It says, the wise store up choice food in olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. In this scripture, we see that God's intention for us is to be wise with what we have, our resources. We talked about it last week, that a lot of resources you read in the Old Testament, people didn't have like green paper back then. A lot of times they had like, they had resources, food, crops, things like olive oil. And in this scripture, we see that the wise store it up, but the fools waste it all. 
When it comes in, boom, right back out. Giving in to their desires. Giving in to, oh, my phone works perfectly fine, but I need an upgrade. Oh, well, my, I got a 3080, but the, the 3090 came out. I should get that. Like, just spending on things that, like, you don't need and you probably can't afford. It's okay to buy things you don't need. Half the things us in America have, like, we don't actually need. Not wrong. What's wrong is when you buy things you don't need that you can't afford. And you're spending unwisely, only spending on yourself, only buying things that are like, man, I probably really shouldn't have bought that. And asking yourself, as a part of my spiritual growth and my spiritual maturity, how is my spending? Because if my spending is very unwise, I have a lot of room to grow spiritually. And so we have to look at the concept of what are we spending our money on and how are we spending it. Another thing the Bible talks about is debt. Now here's the deal. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that going into debt is sinful. It doesn't. But it does say this. Read this verse with me. Proverbs 22.7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is the slave to the lender. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that people should not take out loans. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you can't get a mortgage. Nowhere in the Bible that it says that you want to get a credit card for airplane miles, whatever that might be, is wrong. It does not say that it's wrong. It just says if you're going to do it, be aware. You will be a slave to the lender. So if you're going to go into debt, make sure it's a wise choice. Make sure it's not going to keep you from being able to breathe. Because you bought all that stuff on zero interest, but now you just got a ton of payments that you can't, you can't carry anymore. It's okay to go in debt. I have a mortgage too. But the decisions that you make financially, are you making them wisely or unwisely? We have to be careful when we're so quick to swipe the credit cards. It is a part of our spiritual maturity. Discipline. Self-control. Humility. Are you spending to impress other people on things that you don't actually need? Or are you spending on things that would be beneficial for your family, have a good time, but you can afford it? It's not about how much you're spending. It's about the effect that your spending has on your financial management. And the question that I think all of us need to ask ourselves, and I'm asking myself, is my financial spending a good implication of my spiritual growth? Because you cannot separate the two. They are connected. Spiritual growth is literally your ability to grow and follow and become more like the standards of the Bible. And if God is calling us to spend wisely, then our spiritual maturity is directly in line with our ability to obey and to do that. So the Bible's not against spending. But if we're going to manage money God's way, we do have to spend wisely. The second thing that we need to do in order to really manage our money well and be able to have a budget that breathes is not to spend wisely, but we need to save frequently. I don't know about you. I don't like to save money. <laughs> it's just not fun, man. Like, it's just, there's nothing exhilarating about it. Like, when you go out to the store, you get a new phone, you get a new RTX 39. Like, those are fun moments. You know what's not fun? Just put $50 in my bank account. Like, so anticlimactic, like, not enjoyable, not fun, definitely something, to be honest, I need to be better at in my own life. But just because it's not fun doesn't mean it's not good. 
it is wise for us to save and save frequently. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 22. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Now, I want to be careful with this verse because this verse is not a command of God. This verse is not implicating that every single Christian needs to leave an inheritance to their children, and if you do not, you're in disobedience to God. You get to decide what you want to do with your inheritance. I know that some people might be like, well, I don't want to leave a million dollars to my children, then they'll never learn the value of, a heart, you know, of working hard and, and the dollar. I totally get that. But the principle remains, you have to understand, there is a difference between I maybe chose not to leave a ton of money to my children, but I could have because I lived a life of wise choices, and I can't leave anything to my children because I just spent everything I had my whole life. There's a very big difference. One is you might make decisions that you feel are best for your children. The other is I made poor decisions, and now I can't even if I wanted to. There is a very, very big difference. We read it even the verse right at the beginning, that a wise man stores up what he has, prepares and plans for the future. It's about self-control. I'm not just worried about today. I'm planning for tomorrow. As I was preparing for this message, I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me that saving is like preparing for God's next assignment. Saving is preparing for God's next assignment. If we are not saving frequently, then five years from now, God might call you to do something, and you don't have the money to obey God. You don't have the breathing room in your budget to follow his commands because we just kept spending, spending, and weren't saving. Saving is preparing for God's next assignment for your life. There might be a time in your life where God's like, hey, you know what? I want you to spend a week and go over to Africa and be able to help poor people. Our response shouldn't be, well, I can't afford it because I made poor decisions for the past 10 years. You might not be able to afford it because you lost your job, life hits you, tragedies happen. Those are different. But it's all about the heart. If you don't have the savings, the, the question is why? And the answer is very important. And some answers are good. Some answers not so much. Why do we not have anything stored up, although God has commanded us to. It's all about our self-control, our discipline, not being worried about just today, but preparing for tomorrow. Instead of living a, I want it and I want it now, living a, I'm preparing for God's next assignment. So that at any moment, God puts it on my heart. I want you to do this. All right, let's do it. I'm ready. Right now. For the past five years, I've made wide decisions. So God, you want me to do this? Let's do it. Let's do it tomorrow. You want me to do it now? I got the money. Like, I've prepared. We've saved. Like, I, I'm ready to rock and roll. Like, I'm, I'm ready to do it. We don't need to wait another 10 years. Because if we're not saving frequently, storing up, preparing, being wise as a direct correlation to our spiritual maturity, you might not have the room to obey God. And then when you get to heaven, he will ask you, I wanted you to do X, Y, and Z. Why didn't you obey me? And some of us might say, well, I didn't have the money because... Lost my job, COVID hit, whatever it might be. But then some of us might be, I just couldn't control myself. Just spent, 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 spent. And God, you wanted me to do something I didn't have the money for. It's about preparing for God's next assignment. But it's not about the dollar amount. It's all about the heart. If we're going to manage money God's way and be able to have a budget that breathes... 
Because I'll tell you, I've been there. You can't breathe it on a savings account. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Something happens when COVID hit, people were living on their savings account. And if we're going to manage money God's way, we got to be able to spend wisely, save frequently, and lastly, we got to give generously. If we're going to give, if we're going to manage money God's way, it's not just about spending. It's not just about saving. It's also about giving. The word generous in Christian should be synonymous. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I said it last week. God didn't have a plethora of children and just gave one out of his 11. And Well, at least I still got 10 left. He gave his only son. He practiced generosity towards you. And God is calling us as followers of Jesus, if we are going to be like him and he is generous, then I have to be generous too. The unrighteous rich man sees a need, chooses not to fill it. But the righteous person says, God, I've stored and I've prepared for my next assignment. So when you say, God, I want you to buy that guy a car, I have the money for it. I have the money to obey God, and I will give generously because God has asked me to. Because my God, my king, my master has given me a command, and as the servant, I will obey it. But I can't be generous if I don't first spend wisely and save frequently. I'll never be able to give generously. One of the reasons I believe that the church in the United States of America and Westernized civilization is lacking so much in generosity is because we don't have the room. It just comes down to math. I can't be generous because I just literally don't have the money. But why oftentimes do we not? Because we didn't spend wisely. We didn't say frequently. So now we can't give generously. It is almost less than 5% of Christians that will give a significant amount of their income to churches and ministries all over the world. It is said today that if Christians were to give significant amounts of their finances, if Christians were to give generously, we would have eradicated world poverty a long time ago. Like, it, it, it'd already be over. But we haven't. Because we haven't spent wisely. For many of us, we haven't saved frequently. And because of it, we're not able to give generously. But what, what does it mean to give generously? Like, like, what does the Bible say about generosity? Let me read this verse to you. This is 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. There are many churches today that will try to coerce you into giving you money. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. It needs to be the Holy Spirit that helps you see that financial management is a part of your spiritual maturity. It's a part of your worship. It's a part of your affection and your appreciation towards God that I want to be a part of building his kingdom. I want to be a part of seeing people ministered and pastored and come to know Jesus. I want to be a part of it. And because I'm grateful, God, that you gave to me, I will give to you as a part of my love. Not because I'm being coerced. Not because I'm being compulsed. Not because someone's making me feel guilty if I don't. I'm doing it because I, I love God. It says each of you should give what you have decided to give in your heart, not reluctantly or under 
compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. But when he started talking about generosity, really the question is like, well, like, what's the amount? Like, like what does generosity mean? And here we see Paul writing that in the New Testament, as the laws have changed, we see that God is now giving us the freedom to go before him and to say, God, what amount of generosity do you want me to give? We're no longer following a rule of the Old Testament called tithing where they were mandated to give 10%. I believe tithing, the 10%, no longer to be a rule but a recommendation. Because once you start getting that 10%, whoo, that starts getting hard. It starts pulling on your heartstrings. Five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, most Americans can do that and not bat an eye. But once you start getting to a 10% mark, man, it starts getting crazy. <laughs> It starts getting difficult. It starts being a challenge. But then here's what we do as Christians. We get so focused. I can't believe that God would recommend me to give somewhere around 10%. But we forget it's not about God asking us to give a significant amount. It's not about God asking us to give 10%. It's about, oh my goodness, thank God he let me keep 90. Thank God that even though all of my money is actually his, my goodness, he's only asked me for a little bit. He's only asking me to sacrifice five, whatever it might be, percent. Whatever percent you feel God's calling you to give, that's all he's asking you to sacrifice. You can keep the rest. Like, you get to keep the rest. God didn't give you 10% of Jesus. He gave you all of him. And so our heart should be grateful that we have the privilege to sacrifice and to give to God and to see lives changed, to see people come to know Jesus. So that together we can build the church and see people's lives changed. But that amount is between you and God. God might tell you to give seven. He might tell you to give six. He might give you a dollar amount. Whatever it might be. But as we talked about last week in the principle of first fruits, when it comes to how you created your budget, did you ask God first? Did you ask God first? Or did you make a budget where you decided everything that you wanted for you, and then whatever was left over, you just kind of threw his way? Or did you say, before I buy my house, before I buy my car, I'm going to take my entire budget, I'm going to submit it to a holy God, and I'm going to say, God, how much do you want me to decide in my heart under your leading? How much do you want me to give to you? Oh, you want me to give 7%? All right, well, then I'll design my life off 93. Oh, God, you want me to give 10%? Well, then I'll design my life off 90. Like, that's all I got to work with. The rest is already allocated. It's already going to God. And I'm not complaining about 10. I'm grateful I get to keep 90. Like, God could have told me to give 99. But he's like, give this amount, you get to keep the rest. It's still all mine, but because I love you, I'm going to let you keep that much. But I want you to sacrifice. I want you to be a part of building the kingdom. I want you to practice generosity. I want you to be like me. Jesus says, I want you to be like me. I'm a giver, so therefore, you be a giver. Because as we grow in our spiritual maturity, becoming more like Jesus really becomes about truly believing this verse. Acts 20, 35. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must Help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself when he said, 
It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And as we grow in our spiritual maturity and becoming more like Jesus, our mindset begins to shift that it really is better to give away than it is simply to keep for myself. God says, I'm going to let you keep 90, I'm going to let you keep 93, 95, whatever you pray, and you feel God says, I'm going to let you keep. But as you grow in your maturity and relationship with Jesus, you will begin to love the things that he loves, and he loves to give. And so the heart check for all of us is, if I don't love to give, I have room to grow. But let me be real honest with you. Let's put that other verse back up, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, because we can throw this verse around so easy. Each of you should give what you have decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I'll be honest, like we throw this phrase around in church, God loves a cheerful giver, and like we don't pretend like, we pretend like it's not hard to give. God wants to get us to a place where as you grow, as you mature, you will love to give. You will be cheerful about it. You will reach a place where you say, God, because I love you, I will give and I will sacrifice. But I'll be honest, it might really suck at first. The things that you do for your children, sometimes they're not fun. But you do them out of love. Like, I don't know about you, like, I don't, I don't have any children yet. But I haven't met really moms who are like, man, I just love getting up at 3.30 in the morning and getting thrown up all over everything. It is just the greatest. I've never heard that phrase ever. Normally it's like, man, this sucks. But I love my child. Like there are so many things in life that we do for the people that we love that are not fun. And I'm not so cheerful when I do them. But I do them because I love them. It's called sacrifice. And for some of you, as we begin to talk about generosity and giving towards the kingdom of God as an act of our worship, it might not be so cheerful for you on day one. It might hurt. It might be a sacrifice. It might be difficult. But as we grow, I promise, as God shifts your heart, you will become a cheerful giver as you give as an act of your worship. But don't wait for you to become cheerful in order for you to become a giver. Because the giving might come first, the cheerfulness might come second. It's about making a choice. I am choosing to be a giver. I'm going to wake up and feed my baby, whether I feel like it or not. Whether I feel excited, ambitious, I, it's got to be done. And as followers of Jesus, when we practice generosity, we're impacting the world for the glory of God. And so there's going to be moments where it's, it's going to be difficult and my challenge is that's a part of your spiritual maturity to make the hard choices. Adults, as they grow and mature, they make the hard choices. They do what needs to be done because it's a part of growth. And I believe that God's calling some of us today to grow, to spiritually mature, to become more like Jesus. And for some of us, maybe take that, that first step. And as a practical act of my spiritual maturity, Today, I'm going to make a difficult choice. I'm going to make a hard choice. I'm going to make a sacrifice by giving to God's Squad Church so we can impact the kingdom of God. But it's not about the dollar amount. It's about the heart and us giving to Jesus. But here's what God promises us. 
that if you will trust God in your finances, he will provide for you. Throughout scripture, we see it from Old Testament to New Testament, that if we trust God in our finances, he will provide for you supernaturally. That as you give, you will be provided for. That as you sacrifice, God will take care of your needs. He will take care of your family. And there is an element of trust that God wants you to have. I know it's difficult for you to think, man, I'm trying to make breathing room in my budget. And I'm being asked to give and be generous. But I promise you, if you would be generous, God would probably make some room in your budget by blessing you, by providing for you, because you decided to trust God. It's a part of our spiritual growth. When you take a step out of that boat and say, you know what, God, it's scary for me to give, but as I grow, I trust you more. And I'll give because I believe you will take care of me. We see Jesus talking about childlike faith. Believing that God can do what he said he will do. There's a beautiful thing about children that, man, they have beautiful imaginations and they have beautiful faith. They go up to the fridge and they know it's going to be full. They, they just know that their father is going to provide for their needs. They don't worry about how the light's going to turn. They just flip the switch. Like, it's, it's just going to work because my dad said it will. I've come to tell you, your finances, if you're managing them God's way, he will provide for you because he said he will. He will take care of you if you trust him. If you'll take that step of faith in our finances, God wants us to have childlike faith. But if we'll be honest with ourselves, and I know sometimes I'm guilty of it, that when it comes to my finances, I don't have childlike faith. Sometimes I have childlike behavior where I'm not spending wisely. Where instead of making wiser choices, some of us have been there. I want it and I want it now. Just going to get it. Mine. I want it. Childlike behavior. We're not saving frequently. We're only thinking about today. Never preparing for tomorrow. And we're not giving generously because it's all about me. I don't want to share my toys. I don't want to give of my finances. This is all mine. It's about me. Sometimes, if we'll be honest, rather than having childlike faith, we can have childlike behavior. But today, God's calling us to grow. He's calling us to mature. He's calling us to become more like Jesus and to understand first that everything we have is his. I've been called to simply be a steward. I've been called to simply be a manager. And I'll be honest, in my life, I have room to grow. I have room to mature. And I know that I'm probably not alone. I have room to mature in my decisions. I have room to mature in my relationship with God, even when it comes to this specific area. And so here's what I want to do. I never want to share messages that we're just going to hear a bunch of theories and then go on about our days. Like, we, we need to put this into practice. We need to grow. And one of the first things that I really feel God calling us to do is, is one, for some of us, to, to repent. If you know what the word repentance means, it literally means to turn. That I used to think this way. I used to go this way. I used to tell myself that everything I had was mine. But now if I, as I repent, I'm going to go a different direction, live a different way, and understand, no, actually everything I have is God's. And I'm going to repent for the moments where I have mismanaged God's money. 
When we think of re- repentance, when we start thinking about like pornography and like sexual morality, yeah, but we, we, don't, we don't repent for like mismanaging God's money. It's all His. And at times we've been, we've been disobedient. At times we've been, we've been selfish. And God's desire today is not to condemn you, but it is to draw you back to Him and to show you there's a better way that He is God. And because He loves you, He's drawing you to repentance today. The Bible says He draws us to repentance by His loving kindness. Not by lording over you like a big bully, but saying, my child, I, I know you've done wrong, but because I love you, let's do it right. And so I want to give us a few moments, even right now, to pray. And maybe for you, maybe you do need to repent. Of one, up until this point, believing that, man, everything I have is mine. But God, I repent, and now I acknowledge everything I have is yours. And I'm not going to complain about what you'd ask me to give. I'm going to be grateful for what you're going to let me keep. God, I repent for the moments where I've, I've not been generous. I've been selfish. I've had selfish moments. God, I repent for the moments where I spent very unwisely. I have spent very unwisely. God, I repent for the moments where I didn't say frequently. We've all done it. But we all come before a holy God, repent of our sins, and the Bible says that he's good and faithful to forgive us and to help us to move forward. Maybe for some of you it is genuinely asking, God, I I struggle with self-control and I just spend and spend and spend. God, help me to repent and to turn instead of being someone that just spends Help me to be someone that has self-control. It's okay to come before God and acknowledge, like, we don't have it all together. Like, we're not perfect. We need his presence. We need God. And so I want to encourage you even right now. Maybe you just want to close your eyes all over the world. Maybe you want to bow your head. Just begin to talk to God. Maybe for you, you just want to repent. God, I'm sorry that I've been selfish. God, please forgive me for the moments where I just lacked self-control. Whatever it might be, just begin to talk to God all over the world. You cannot separate financial management from spiritual maturity. Just begin to speak to Him. And Father, I just, I just pray right now for every single one of us as we, as we analyze our hearts and we come together corporately to acknowledge we do not have it all together. None of us do. Even if, God, we feel like we manage our finances in a way that honors God, we still have room to grow. We still have room to be more like Jesus. We've not arrived at the final destination. We're on the journey. And so today, God, for many of us, we just, we repent for the moments. We ask your forgiveness. Forgive us, God, for the moments where we have truly believed, God, it's not yours, it's mine. God, we just change our ways today and acknowledge everything I have is yours. God, no longer will I complain about the amount you're asking me to give. Today, I will begin to be grateful for the amount you're letting me keep because it's all yours. God, we repent today of the moments where we've, we've mismanaged your money. We repent for the irresponsible spending. We repent for the lack of saving. And we repent for the lack of giving. You've called us to do it. We repent for our our selfishness. And God, we ask you to help us to do it your way. We thank you in advance that we know today, God, because of the blood of Jesus, we stand forgiven. Today, God, we're thankful that, God, you have called us today to be contributors, not consumers. Not just people who want to take, 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 take. But people who want to give, 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 give. 
How can I serve? How can I give away? How can I bless? God, I pray that you would just put a deep sense in our spirit. God, you've not called us to consume and just take, take, take. That's how churches get eaten alive. When people just want to take, 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 and not give. We pray today that we would take on the DNA. We are contributors. You've called us to give. You've called us to spend wisely, to save frequently, to give generously, so that we might honor God and to be able to be a part of building your kingdom. Help us to save for whatever the next assignment is so that at the moment you call us to do something, God, we're ready for it. We're ready for it. We don't have to take an extra six months right then and there. You want us to jump? The question is how high? We're ready for it, God. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. And God, we just, we thank you. But you never ask us to do something that you aren't willing to do yourself. And so we just thank you, Jesus, that you gave your life to die on the cross for us. You died, you shed your blood, you were gruesomely beaten, and you died on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins. We repent of the moments where we are aware that you gave your whole life, yet we complain about giving some green paper. God, we just give ourselves to you today. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that today all who will put their trust in Jesus can be forgiven of their sins. But we ask you today, God, to help us focus on what really matters, and that's you. Help us today to become people who will be generous because we've decided in our hearts we want to be like Jesus and to manage money in God's way. In Jesus' name. And maybe some of you are here and you start hearing about this idea of giving. But before you ever really hear about money, I want you to know that God gave his, he gave his son Jesus for you. He gave his son Jesus for you. Man, money and all this stuff, we can't, we can't take this to heaven. It's not going to last forever. But what will is you. And God sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross to take away our sins so that we could be forgiven. And three days later, he rose from the grave showing that he's God, that he's bigger, that he's greater. And the Bible says that all that would put their trust in Jesus, they would be forgiven. Let me tell you, I'm a broken person who needs Jesus. Me. I, I don't have it all together. I need his forgiveness. I need his guidance. I need God. And today, Jesus is offering himself to you. If you'll put your trust in him, begin a journey to follow Jesus, your life will never be the same. No more shame, no more guilt, a second chance in eternity in heaven to have a relationship with God. And if that's you today, I would encourage you to pray this prayer with me as you make a decision to follow Jesus. Pray this with me. God, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And I ask you today, God, to forgive me of my sins. And I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior. And help me, God, to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Ladies and gentlemen, right now, will you put your hands together, put some Jesus hype in the chat for those we believe are saying yes to follow Jesus. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, we want to congratulate you. And if you could, go ahead and type yes in the chat. Be excited, be proud that today you are making a decision to follow Jesus. And we want to celebrate that with you. 
And here's the thing, we wanna walk, along, walk alongside you and give you resources of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You just prayed a prayer, but now what? And so if we could have someone type exclamation point next level in the chat, go ahead and click that link. If you could, fill it out with as much information as you're comfortable. We wanna have one of our pastors reach out to you. You wanna talk with you, pray for you, see how can we serve you and how can we resource you as you begin this journey that is probably all new to you. In that document, you're going to see there's things about prayer, reading the Bible. What's water baptism all about? What's it look like to get plugged into a church here at God Squad Church? We want to be able to walk alongside you and resource you and congratulate you for making the greatest decision ever. And here's the deal, friends. This is why all of this matters. It's that more and more people are coming to know Jesus, growing in their faith, being discipled, and becoming lifelong followers of Jesus. And here's the deal. Like we've been talking about all this message. None of that is possible without our uh, contribution. None of it is possible without our generosity. Us working together saying, I'm going to be a part of giving, not just taking. I want to be a part of making a difference around the world so more and more people are being blessed. More and more people are having their lives changed and hearing the story of Jesus. The day-to-day ministry of God's Squad Church is impacting lives all around the world. And I want to tell you, it's something worth giving to. People are being impacted. Teenagers, young adults, adults all over the world are for the first time hearing the story of Jesus. And friends, you're making that possible. And so we want to say thank you, thank you so much for your giving. And I want to invite some of you today, especially as a practical response to today's message, to give and to give sacrificially. But don't do it because I asked you. Do it because today you've decided in your heart, I want to trust God. I want to honor Him. I want to love Him. And no longer will I be a consumer. Today, put me in, coach. I want to be a part of impacting lives around the world. And so no matter how much you're giving, it matters Did I ask God first. And so we want to say thank you for being a part with us and impacting lives around the world. Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you as you give. Here at God's Watch Church, there are multiple safe and secure ways for you to give. You can give by clicking on the panel below to give a one-time or monthly donation via card or PayPal. You can also go to our website, godsquadchurch.com slash give and set up a one-time or monthly donation of any amount. Lastly, you can text any amount to the number 84321 to set up a quick and easy way to give. Because of you, we are able to share the gospel with gamers around the world. No matter what amount you're giving, thank you for your generosity.